Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 141 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hello. And my husband Dylan is our sound recordist. Hello. So Toby and I just had a wild ride of a journey where we both finished our books in the moments before we recorded. Yes, that's uh, that's true. I can confirm that. <laughs> and you had like an 800 pager, right? So were you? How did you do it in time? Oh, I feel so shameful. And uh, so this can be my shame. My okay. shame is that uh, I was reading the physical copy. It's like 800 pages. Uh, I realized that I was not going to hack it just like with my free reading time. So I put it on Audible mm-hmm. and then it kept getting down to the wire and I was like, okay, I got to go up to 1.5 speed. I do that all the yeah. time. Really? Often the narrators are really slow. That's true. I just want to be clear, Toby. You shouldn't feel any shame about it. And I just... Audible is a wonderful resource that personally, <laughs> that, that personally I just have trouble following because of the way my brain processes information. It's entirely a personal thing on my hand. Andrew is clarifying because we did have some feedback that we were a little bit negative on Audible and like differentiating an audiobook between a regular book. Um, but Andrew, you're saying it's just your personal way you process yeah. it, right? Yeah, it's truly that my, my brain wanders when I'm listening to an audiobook in a way that um, it doesn't when I'm physically reading it and it's probably just something to do with how i take in information as a dude yeah Yeah. totally i have to either play like a tedious game like um candy crush or put together a puzzle i can't be you know working on a project while i listen to a book can't focus no yeah i need to be doing something like i can't just sit there and listen to it because then i'll go crazy yeah but i have to be doing something like low intellectual demand i don't know (laughs) i'm on a podcast right now guys um but i do want to say at 1.5 speed uh especially with like suspenseful parts do you guys find that it like increases the suspense a little bit sometimes because then they're like it sounds like someone's telling you a story as fast as they can possibly tell you the story here we go yeah yeah and you're like oh this is getting me going i like it i don't know how people do two speed that's like i can't even understand i know um Shout out to Chris in England, who probably doesn't listen to this podcast. He listens to like basketball podcasts that are like four or five hours long, and he listens to them at like two point five speed. Wow! And I've heard them on his Bluetooth speaker, and they're so fast. I don't even know. Maybe it's that I don't know anything about basketball. <laughs> hmm, that might be it. Um, do you ever heard a thing when you're listening to it, like when you're doing an activity like a puzzle, and now that puzzle is married to that book? Like sometimes I'll have that with a video game or like a certain like walk or a drive. That like, oh, this is what I was listening to when I was listening to that book. Yeah, absolutely. That happens to me a lot. That, I mean, also like if you're like eating a certain food or like smelling a certain smell, it, it comes up in my brain. Like I was listening to, what was like the third Red Rising book, Golden Sun? Does that sound sure. right? Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> um, I was listening to that while I was on the Santa Monica Pier hunting for Pokemon. And <laughs> whenever I'm there, I think of that. Yeah, nice. A while back, I was looking at one of those like BuzzFeed listicles or something that was like top 10 books to listen to while you run a marathon. And I was like, what? (laughs) How could I don't think I could do that. Your life is not like my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I'd need music for that. Yeah. Slash I wouldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. You could listen to Haruki Murakami is what I talk about when I talk about running. There you go. I thought you were going to say Wind Up Bird Chronicle. (laughs) (laughs) That too. What I listen to when I listen to running. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That'll put the the wings on your feet. (laughs) So I did want to bring up, Bailey, you mentioned a book a couple episodes ago, I Mm -hmm. think, called The Bookish Life of Nina Hill by Abby Waxman. Oh, I love it. Uh Uh-huh. And 
I listened to it on Audible. Ha ha ha. Sponsor <laughs> us, please. And I have to say, I've never read a book that was less intended for me <laughs> that I enjoyed more. Like, this book is for... The bookstagram crowd. Yeah. So, but I can't, I like, I, you know, part of the charm and the appeal of reading is that you get to inhabit other people's lives that are different from you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, I want to be in like a girl's book club and talk about <laughs> guys sending me pictures. And I want to, you know, I want to be on a trivia team and all this stuff. And it was very fun. This uh, is very possible. Well, I am no, on. I, 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 said, I said that second part, but I don't want to be on a trivia team because I would have to be on a trivia team with Dylan and Bailey and then I'd feel stupid. And then Andrew would visit and I'd feel even stupider. Um, but yeah, I would just like to say that it was an interesting experience reading that book and just being like, this is not for me, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I, it must Was it one of your first examples of what people would call like women's fiction or chiclet? Have you read that genre before? I'd say it was my first example of like really, how do I put this gently? No, no. <laughs> like, fluffy? Like fluffy. Yeah, uh-huh. like really fluffy chiclet. Like mm-hmm. just, just for fun, just for, you know, because I've read plenty of stuff that people call chiclet that I don't think deserves to be called chiclet. Mm-hmm. Like Sylvia Plath, people call chiclet. It's like calls Sylvia Plath? I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard it called chiclet. Who are you talking to, Toby? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've met some really interesting people on Twitter, and they have some views. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I it, But yes, it's that first kind of book for me, um, and I enjoyed it. I remember you texting me. You're like, it's like being inside a happy person or something. Like, yeah. it's like being inside happiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's it's like inhabiting the brain of someone who's like optimistic and happy. <laughs> That's nice to live in for a couple hours a day. I highly recommend, you know, this genre for you. Um, well, the last thing I'll say before we start our episode is I watched the trailer for Little Women and it looks really great. Me too. Yeah, it looks good. I'm excited. I hope that I get to read the book off the to-read list before I see the movie. Although it's one of those stories that I know backwards and forwards from seeing so many adaptations that I don't know if it would necessarily spoil it. But but we were on a weird hot streak of like adaptations. Yeah. We're on a very hot streak of adaptations. The book I am talking about today is a big adaptation. Yeah. And Catch-22, uh, They've Always Lived in the Castle. They've all yeah. been adapted. It's crazy. Um, and actually, I found out that my book for today had already been adapted, but oh, I didn't okay. know that. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, this week on the podcast, Toby had a book to review. Toby, tell us about your book. Toby, Toby. <laughs> 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 Whoa. Um, uh, I had The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan, which is the first book in the Wheel of Time series. Wheel, wheel, spin, spin. <laughs> wheel. <laughs> Robbie. Oh, time. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> All right, so here's your logline. The Eye of the World is a classic doorstopper fantasy book that follows the story of five young people who are plucked from obscurity in their nowhere town and plunged into the center of a battle between good and evil that threatens not only the world they live in, but perhaps time itself. Ooh, did you write that? Yes, I did. That's very good, Toby. Mm. Yeah, well done, Toby. Yeah, just like Andrew said the last time, it's like, you can only screw it up real bad so many times (laughs) before you start writing it down beforehand. Um... So, yeah, this, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this book. Ooh. A lot of mixed Uh-oh. feelings. But just to start from the beginning, this book, it, it's the, I mean, it's the most classic fantasy plot you can imagine. 
We start in a nowhere town. Nothing happens. It's just farm, village. People live in simple lives. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a mysterious pair ride into town. It's this woman and this kind of night guy. And they kind of single out these three young men, this young woman. And they basically tell them, you know, you're in trouble. We got to get out of here. And the whole book is kind of this long flight from evil. So this is literally chapter one. There is a prologue, but this is chapter one. The wheel of time turns, and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, called the third age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, a wind rose in the mountains of mist. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Mm -hmm. So that um, kind of introduces one of the most interesting aspects to this book, which is that everyone in this world, in this world that the, the book takes place in, sort of semi-acknowledges that time is cyclical. In a very strange way, they all kind of, you know, no matter what they believe in, and they believe in kind of different gods and different theologies or whatever, but everyone's like, oh yeah, time is cyclical. Like, every, you know, this is an age, but we're all, you know, adherent to the wheel of time, and it's spinning our lives in the way that it wants to spin our lives. So hmm. that's really cool because, I mean, it's an interesting concept to begin with, but it's never really nailed down. You never get a character who sits down and is like, well, here's what the wheel of time is, and here's what I think, blah, 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 blah. And that, uh, that applies to everything in the book. You feel like you understand the concepts for everything, like maybe 80% by the end of the book. Like even the most basic stuff, like how does magic work? Is this person good or evil? Is this organization good or evil? And I think that's actually fairly unique among the fantasy books that I've read. A lot of them tend to be cut and dry. You know, you can tell the author is like, this person is the hero, you're going to like them. But one of the most famous examples of this and one of the interesting aspects of the book is that in this world, only women can do magic Ooh. because at some point in the past, in an age gone past, men were doing magic and they basically broke the world, like <laughs> almost <laughs> almost caused the end of the world because they couldn't keep it together. Uh, and so, <laughs> so nowadays, there's kind of like a collection of women who do magic called the Aes Sedai and they are hated because they kind of are like, necessary to keeping this evil force at bay but everyone is scared of magic because it almost destroyed the world and first one way you're like okay uh, yeah everyone doesn't like them but they're dumb like i can tell as a reader that they're supposed to be good mm -hmm. and then you go further and you're like oh i don't know their motivations seem to be murky and i don't really see what they're doing um and that kind of all comes to fruition in a character called moiraine who's mm -hmm. the main like sorceress lady who's in the whole book and she's been cast in the new series as Rosamund Pike. Ooh. And I think she's a perfect casting for this just because she has that kind of like can you trust her? Can you not trust her? She's like beautiful but scary. Mm -hmm. Just like very, you know, if you want to know what the Aes Sedai feel like in the whole book, it's Rosamund Pike. Mm -hmm. Wow, she has a niche nailed down. Yes, she does. Beautiful scary lady. <laughs> So, um, with that being said, there is a bit of a bummer that because everyone hates the women who can do magic, it also bleeds over into a strange kind of sexism that bleeds everyone through the book. Everyone hates women in general. It's not like they hate women, but there's a lot of references to, like, 
the men are always kind of portrayed as like reasonable and like all when they make a mistake it's kind of an all shucks mistake mm. and women are constantly referred to as like oh you never understand what a woman's thinking you can never predict what a woman's gonna do and it's just like okay rj like <laughs> um it's just it's it's honestly compared to some old science fiction fantasy that i've read very tame <laughs> like it's it's not too too bad uh, but it is there so the character development is very slow um these young people for the first half of the book i had a really hard time telling them apart he tells you that they're different but they don't do a lot of showing that they're mm -hmm. different um that's a bit of a bummer and and why it took me so long to get through the first like 400 pages of this book is mm -hmm. i was like not really grabbing onto any character and being like oh i really want to know more about this person yeah maybe it'll be better when it's adapted and you can like see the two different people I, yeah i think so for sure another another frustrating thing and this is more personal choice is um he kind of takes the reluctant hero trope to its most extreme edge so these characters are kind of caught up in this giant world-spanning conflict and without giving too much away some of them start to get abilities and some of them like start to get cool powers and stuff and everyone except for one character hates it everyone's like <laughs> no i i won't do magic i won't do it or like one guy like <laughs> one guy ends up like being able to like talk to wolves and he's like oh i wish i these wolves would stop talking to me <laughs> and it's like in the one case it's like the magic i i almost understand i'm like okay you've built in this world magic is scary it broke the world i get that one but the wolves come on man talk, talk to the wolves it's super cool and it and it never lets up like it like throughout the whole book it's like Nope, they, they never get happy about doing magic or anything like that. So that's a bit of a bummer. Um, a weakness of this book and a lot of fantasy books written by men mm -hmm. is that there, there's some romance subplots and they are bad. There's a main romance subplot between two of the young people um, where basically we're just told over and over, like, he loves her. Mm -hmm. But every time they have a conversation, it's super awkward and not romantic. Like, you don't see any spark or any reason why they would like each other at all. And then, it, I, this is a, just a shout out for my people out there who've read the Wheel of Time book one. <laughs> I hope you know what I mean when there's kind of like a declaration of love toward the end of the first book where you are like, what just happened? <laughs> like two characters who have never spoken, one of them's like, so we're we getting married or what? And the other one's like, we can't get married, but you know I love you. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's, I literally, I like... I literally rewound the audible. I was like, I must have missed something. These are not the two characters speaking that I thought I were speaking. You can't get married. I'm a wolf and you're a human. <laughs> I'm living for your retelling of this. Plot yeah, right thank, you. <laughs> thank you. That reminds me. There is no character that smacks of anything but being straight and white. 100% mm -hmm. of the characters, uh, you don't ever get descriptions of them being white, I think, but they certainly present as white and they certainly present that 100% present as straight. There's right. No mention. And it's always laughable to me. It's like, come on. Like, you can, you, this guy's talking to wolves. Like, it's a fantasy world. It can be it, literally anything. Yeah. Why couldn't you, you know, broaden your mind a little bit? With that all being said, I, I enjoyed this book overall. It is what it is. It's the beginning of a giant fantasy epic, and I love those. Um, and I wanted to kind of say this to the general audience of people. Because I think a lot of people who aren't like into fantasy, their exposure to fantasy will be either Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, or Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And 
I'm going to kind of put Harry Potter to the side because it's not quite the same, but Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, they both have these worlds that just get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Our characters move through and they go from setting to setting and the settings are all cool and you get in this culture and all this cool stuff. So imagine that, but on a scale so much more massive. This book series has 14 core books. Core books, so there's, and there's more than 14. There's one prequel and two companion books. Wow. Right? Wow. So what Game of Thrones when it finishes is gonna be what? Seven? Seven. Yeah. Theoretically if he finishes. So yeah. <laughs> imagine the world of Game of Thrones but doubled. Because they're each like doorstoppers, like yeah. you said, very long like Game of Thrones. Wow. That, so this one's eight hundred, they only get longer. Wow. Right? Yeah, I mean I will say uh, there are certain things that George R. R. Martin definitely does better. He has a much grittier world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is written by a person who's actively avoiding like swearing and excessive violence, which is, you know, to each his own taste. But this world and the Stormlight Archive, um, which is written by Brandon Sanderson, and Robert Jordan died before he could finish this series, and Brandon Sanderson finished it for him. Mm. So those two series are two series I would recommend. If you are a person who haven't read these books and you enjoy that feeling of like, wow, the world just keeps getting bigger and more complex, and you love these incredibly long character arcs where people are up and then they're down and then they're up and then they're down, give it a shot, you know? Like, I would probably recommend The Stormlight Archive by uh, Brandon Sanderson. The first book is called The Way of Kings over this one. Um, I think it's a little bit better written. It moves a little faster, more Mm -hmm. palatable to modern audiences. Um, But if you want a classic and you want a series that's already done, The Wheel of Time is done. Uh, Brandon Sanderson is still writing The the Stormlight Archive. He's only on book three. It's supposed to be 10 books. So probably be another like 15 years before. (laughs) uh, Trust me, I'm feeling that pain right now. Um, It'll probably be about 15 years before he finishes that series. But yeah, overall, enjoyed this book. Audible helped me a lot with it. Yeah. Are you going to continue with the series? You know, at first I wasn't. When I was reading the hard copy, I wasn't. But then, then I got on the Audible, and yes, I think I will. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Toby's journey continues. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you are reading a book and you find out that it's in a series and you're enjoying the book, is that exciting or disappointing to you? Exciting. Yes. Even if this series like isn't finished yet? I mean... I'm in that world. That's my life. I like fantasy books. So, What if the yeah. series is written by George R. R. Martin and you don't know if it's going to be finished? I mean, I'm, I've given up on Game of Thrones. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? Do you like to read series? I don't really read a lot of series, so I don't have an answer. The only like memory I really have about that is waiting for the Harry Potter books to come out, which was frustrating, but sort of a really exciting time. So yeah. I don't know if I would trade that. So I think I would be excited even if it were... Um, even if it were not finished yet. Because there's something cool about like delayed satisfaction in that sort of way. Yeah, I agree. Um, I get excited for the new books, especially for series that I'm really into. However, when it, there's too much time that passes, I kind of wish that I got into the series after they were all out. Like, for example, the His Dark Materials series, I was super into it. And for whatever reason, I couldn't get into the last one, Amber Spyglass. I think a lot of people couldn't. Okay. Well, I thought I figured it was just because there had been so much time in between the books. I don't know. It's a weird book. I reread it as an adult, and I liked it a lot more. I got to get back into it. All right, cool. So how many stars, and are you going to keep it on your shelf? I'm going to give it three stars. 
and uh, I will keep it on my shelf. I think I picked it up. I did. I picked it up from the side of the road. Ooh. Yeah, I was uh, walking through my neighborhood on the way to the gym, and there was a big box of books out there on the sidewalk, and I crouched down like a madman and dug through them. I remember you telling me that, because this had been on your like theoretical list, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I found the book. Yes, it was certainly meant to be, but then I abandoned it for the Audible version. <laughs> um, but So I gave it three stars, and I have heard that they get better and better and better. And yeah, he has a lot of time to practice, because that's a lot of pages. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan, three stars. Wheel Wheel of Time! (laughs) (laughs) I refuse to participate in that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Andrew, do you have any facts on Robert Jordan? Yes, I do. Uh, Would it surprise you to know that his name is not Robert Jordan? Uh, Actually, yes. I love how this guy is like a huge world builder that's made 18 books, and that's the best name he could think of as a pen name. Robert. (laughs) Uh, He was born James Oliver Rigney Jr. on October 17th, 1948 in Charleston, South Carolina. That's a better name. (laughs) It is a better name. Um, And that's not the only pen name he had. Did you know that? Is he Stephen King? (laughs) Jordan was his primary pen name, but he also wrote historical fiction under the name Reagan O'Neill, a (laughs) Western under the name Jackson O'Reilly, and some dance and theater criticism under the name Chang Lung. Whoa, Whoa, hold great. up, hold Whoa. up. Uh, all right, anyway, what moving on. Let's leave it there alone? and not try to unpack yeah. it, because I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> he was very cagey about it in a couple interviews I found. <laughs> Every single interview starts out with, so why Chang Lung? <laughs> <laughs> he served two tours in Vietnam as a helicopter gunner, receiving several uh, medals for his service. Um, and then after Vietnam, he returned back to Charleston and went to school at the Citadel and studied physics. The with, Citadel with from Sam? Game of Thrones? With Sam Tarley? Uh, the Citadel is a is a military college in, in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, no, but my joke. But they have like a big library that's like a big circle, right? And there's yes. Like a thing, like and a there's sun like in the guys that have grayscale that Yeah, and there's like you wear a chain when you graduate. Right? That's the same as the military, okay, right? Cool. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Okay, right. They're very similar. They're very similar. I'm picturing it. All right, here we go. Keep going. <laughs> um he studied physics there, and he was later employed as a nuclear engineer by the Navy. Mm. So we got ourselves a smarty pants. Uh, he started writing more formally in 1977. In an interview with Orbit, he addressed how he started writing. He said, From the age of five, I intended to write one day when I had established myself in a more stable profession. Then I had an accident that resulted in a month's stay in the hospital, during which I almost died. And I decided life was too short to wait on one day. So I started writing. If you're wondering what his accident was, I'm not sure. I didn't find it in any interviews. Some of his early works were the original Conan the Barbarian novels. He wrote those uh, with other authors, but his were particularly well thought of. Um, He published seven of these between 1982 and 1984. So he got some practice knocking out a lot of pages pretty quickly. I'm not sure how long these are, but seven books in three years is pretty solid. Yeah, that's crazy. Seven books? This guy just can't stop writing. You know what he reminds me of? Alexander Hamilton. All right, let's keep going. Uh, We just got sued. The Eye of the World was published in 1990. In that same interview from before with Orbit, asked how he came up with The Eye of the World, he said, A number of idle speculations that percolated around the back of my head. I thought about what it would really be like, really, to be tapped on the shoulder and told that you had been born to save humanity. Even if danger was real and imminent and everyone knew that someone was scheduled, you might say, to show up and take care of matters, how would they react when that someone stood up and said, here I am? (laughs) Very specific, Robert. Okay. Yeah. Also, asked to summarize the series in six words, he said, sheesh, 
I've written a few million words so far, and you want me to summarize in six? Well, here goes. <laughs> Cultures clash, worlds change, cope. I know, it's only five words, but I hate to be wordy. All right, Robert. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and then, finally, in 2006, he was diagnosed with a disease called cardiac amyloidosis, um, which is a terminal heart condition, uh, which brought with it an expectation of around four years. He died on September 16th, 2007. He had not finished the last book of The Wheel of Time, which he was working on at the time, but he had left extensive notes so that someone else could finish it. He was preparing for the fact that he might not be able to finish it. Robert Jordan's wife, Harriet McDougall, who was also his editor throughout his life, uh, selected Brandon Sanderson, who was a big Jordan fan, as well as being an established novelist by that point, to finish A Memory of Light, which was the final book. Sanderson completed the cycle. However, uh, he found that there was too much in the notes to fit into one book, so he broke it into three volumes. Million. Three million <laughs> volumes. So he broke it into three volumes, still ending. The last book is still called A Memory of Light. And if you're interested in looking at any of his papers, they can be found on Special Collections at the College of Charleston. Cool. Oh, cool. Well, awesome facts and awesome review, guys. Good job. Thank you. Yay. Uh, this week on the podcast, I had a book to review, The Red Tent by Anita Diamant. Diamond? How would you say her last name? Diamant. Diamant? Diamant, Diamant. I don't have a fancy written out logline like Toby, but it's the story of Dina, the only daughter of Jacob from the Bible, who is only explored in a brief passage in the Bible, but this novel imagines her entire story, in particular her experiences with the other women in the clan, including her four mothers, the four women who served as her mother. And the title of the Red Tent refers to the tent where the women would go every time they had their period, and they would celebrate and relax for three days, and Mm. they get to chat and gossip. Sounds like fun? I mean, it sounds like a day off. Why not? This book literally has been on my shelf for 22 years. Is that the longest one on your shelf? It's not the longest, but almost. Um, My dad got it for me when I was like maybe 10, 11, which in retrospect is a little bit weird. It's kind of an adult book, so it was a little surprising that he gave it to me, but it was a really popular book at the time. It was a bestseller and a lot of people were talking about it. So I'm sure he's like, oh, this is a book for ladies and people like it. So here you go. But I think I've always been a little bit like weird about like feminine issues. And so I guess I put it off because I thought I'm not going to like this. It's too, I don't know, like you described it. It's the biblical period book. And I was like, I'm not going to like that. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something I'd be like grabbing off my shelf. Well, then 22 years pass. Cut to today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what surprised me is I really liked this book. Hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. hmm. <laughs> I know that I just finished it in the minutes before the podcast, but that was not the book's fault. Like, I, it's 300 pages. I sped through the first 200, and I had 100 left, and I was like, oh, I'm going to finish that easy, but I just underestimated how much time I had. Um, it's very well written, and it put me in a time period that I didn't know a lot about, like you were saying about the Nina Hill book. I don't know what it was like to live in Canaan and the beginnings of Judaism. So it was exciting and different. I have Clan of the Cave Bear on my list, which takes place among the like Neanderthals and early humans. But besides that, I think this is like the oldest set book I have. Um, the things I liked about it. I had an experience where as I was reading it, it brought to mind a lot of um, stories from my childhood that I had forgotten about because, you know, we used to go to church regularly. We weren't that religious, but, you know, my mom taught Sunday school and they had like this big sandbox where they would tell desert stories. Hmm. And so 
the the stories started to come back into my head and I was like, oh yeah, I remember Leah and Rachel and Jacob and his 11 sons. Um, that was really interesting. I also, side note, but I also in high school, we did the play Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and I kept singing the songs in my head as I was reading, <laughs> including Jacob, Jacob and sons. Toby's. I wish I knew it better. <laughs> I, the, the funny thing about that is that I was cast in that play as a featured dancer <laughs> in a line dancing number, and listeners may not know me enough to know how ridiculous that is. There, there's nothing about that that, <laughs> that works. For context, dear listeners, when Bailey tries to floss that dance the kids are doing these days, Dylan often yells at Bailey, No, Bailey, no! <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite aspects of this podcast is, like, tales from Bailey's high school days. <laughs> it's a recurring theme, and I love yeah. it. We're not talking about flossing. Let's go back to biblical times. <laughs> um... So it was it was cool. It was like the movie Maleficent. It's like, let's hear from the other side of the story. Or Wicked. Um, I really loved the setting, like I said, the time period, and the feminist issues that it explores. In particular, sort of this sisterhood that I feel like we don't have so much right now, revolving around, you know, reproduction, that I think now we just are quiet about it and nobody says anything. But this, a lot of it is about, like... You know, the first time you get your period or getting pregnant or having babies and giving birth. And uh, the main character, Dina, becomes a midwife. And so that's a big part of it. So I really I really like that aspect of the book. Um, And, you know, I am glad that this book came to me at this time in my life because I've been dealing with some infertility issues lately. And that's something that a lot of people go through but don't talk about. And so I sympathized a lot with the character of Rachel who just can't get pregnant, whereas all her sisters just keep having baby after baby. And so yeah, I, I, I think it means more to me now than it might have meant at a different time. Awesome. So I give this book four stars. It's going between four and five stars for me, but I guess it's not all the way a perfect book. But I definitely recommend it, especially to women that want to explore their history. Four stars. Nice. Nice. I'm going to keep it for another 22 years. But only 22. That's it. And then it's done. And I'll chuck it away and then someone will pick it off the street and then take it on their podcast and the circle of time continues. Yes. Wheel of time. time. <laughs> All right, Dylan, you invented it. At least you can do is participate. <laughs> All right. So uh, The Red Tent by Anita Diamant. Four stars. Andrew, do you have any facts for us? Uh, So there's not as much information available on her as you might think based on how popular this book is. But here's what we found. Uh, She was born on June 27th, 1951 in Brooklyn uh, and then spent her early years in Newark, New Jersey before moving to Denver. She went on to study at the University of Colorado Boulder, Washington University in St. Louis, and then got her graduate degree at Binghamton University back in New York. Full circle. Wheel of... No, I won't. (laughs) Fun fact about the University of Binghamton, its mascot is a bear cat, which is Bailey's favorite mascot. (laughs) She began her career as a freelance journalist, writing for several magazines. Um, Then she began writing books on contemporary Jewish practice, publishing six to date, as well as a few updated versions of them. The Red Tent was her first novel, which was published in 1997, and she's published four novels since then. It's been what she's primarily been working on. Uh, She made her shift to fiction then. 
It had sort of a strange beginning. Uh, it wasn't released to a lot of fanfare, but slowly through word of mouth and through some like kind of guerrilla marketing tactics by having the publishing house sending unsold copies to clergy and to rabbis, anyone who might like run discussion groups with people, um, mm-hmm. it slowly built up and then it became a bestseller. The Los Angeles Times said in its review, By giving a voice to Dina, one of the silent female characters of Genesis, the novel has struck a chord with women who may have felt left out of biblical history. It celebrates mothers and daughters and the mysteries of the life cycle. Um, And it was one of many positive reviews. It was was well received as, as it came out. One little caveat that Anita Diamant has acknowledged is while she did a lot of research, there's not actually evidence that these tents were used in ancient Israel. Though it is a common feature in a lot of pre modern cultures and even some modern cultures. So it's not impossible, but sorry, Bailey. (laughs) Wow, bold move. All right. My world is a little rocked right now. Well, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. No, no, no. Just ruined my dreams. It's fine. No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's interesting. Um, A little bit about her as a writer. Uh, This is from an interview she did with Goodreads. Uh, Some of her influences. uh, Among my favorite writers, authors who I'm returned to over and over again for inspiration, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, MFK Fisher, Jane Austen, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, poets too, Walt Whitman, Pablo Neruda, and Mary Oliver. Um, And this is a little bit about her writing process, which is very matter-of-fact and not very exciting, but I found it funny how she said it. (laughs) Okay. Descriptions of writing seem as boring as descriptions of golf games, but without exciting putts or drives or the prospect of thinking about Tiger Woods, I get up, drink (laughs) coffee, walk the dog, spend too much time on email, and try to concentrate. The variations are all dependent upon where I am in the process I am. Early on, I'm reading or trolling the internet for facts or visiting the library. Later on, I'm typing. (laughs) Dull. Really dull. I'm a slave to my deadlines, however. The fact that I do not turn in manuscripts late may be unusual, but it's all due to years and years of writing for newspapers and magazines. So she's very matter of fact that she doesn't do anything like go into a cupboard or write upside down. She just types, man. She just types. Yeah. Uh, Diamant now lives in Newton, Massachusetts. She is married and has a child, but there's no information on who she's married to or anything about the child anywhere that I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the founding president of, I'm not sure exactly the pronunciation, I'm going to go with Mayim Hayim, okay. uh, Living Waters Community Mikvah and Education Center in Newton, Massachusetts, which is a reinvention of the ancient Jewish tradition of mikvah, ritual immersion into water. And that's what she's up to when she's not writing novels. Interesting. Cool. And that's the facts I have on Anita Diamant. Excellent. Those are great facts. Good job, Andrew. Good job, Andrew. Thank you. All right. Well, Andrew, do you have a game for us? Yes, I do. And it has nothing to do with Bearcats. Oh, dang. So the name of this game is Ball of Time. Ooh. (laughs) So the way this game is going to work is I have a list of characters from the Wheel of Time saga. I don't know necessarily what book they are. So, Toby, you might get a little bit of an advantage if a lot of these are from the first book. But I have a list of characters from the Wheel of Time saga. And I have a list of soccer players from Maccabi Tel Aviv, current champions of the Israeli soccer football league. That was my way of combining these two books into a game. All right. The reason is they are shockingly similar. All right, let's do it. Interesting, yeah. All right, so the way this is going to work is we're going to alternate turns. Who won the last game? I did. did. I mean, technically, I won the Harry Potter game, so. No, you didn't, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So the way it's going to work is we're going to have alternating turns. Bailey, since you won the last game, you can choose if you want to go first or second. We're going to be playing to five. I'll let Toby go first. 
Why would you do that if you're trying to play why would you to do five? That? Why, why, why? I've made that mistake in the past. Because I'm cocky and I think I'll be able to beat him. Okay. All right. I'm the one who's read one out of 14, 17 books. <laughs> fair, fair. And obviously there are no steals available as it's a binary choice. Yes. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do this. Waylon Kojima. Hmm. Not in the first book. <laughs> so I'm going to say Tel Aviv. Nope. That is a character from The Wheel of Time. No. <laughs> Watch, he totally is in the first book. <laughs> there are a lot of characters in the first book, guys. Jair Amador. Wheel of Time. That's incorrect. That's a soccer player on Maccabi Tel Aviv. Eliron Atar. Uh, say that first name again. Eliron. It could be Eliron. E-L-I-R-A-N. Atar. A-T-A-R. Uh, time. <laughs> that is a player on Maccabi Tel Aviv. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, all right. Is this going to be the first game that we both lose? <laughs> Rafar Kizman. Okay, this has got to be time. That's correct. Bailey has one point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's not dissimilar from some of the other names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bilal. I'm going to say Tel Aviv. Nope. That is from the Wheel of Time. Oh. No. <laughs> Maybe we should only play to three. We'll see. <laughs> we'll just see how far we get. Prince Okraku. I think it's Tel Aviv. I think it's a trick. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, it's a trick. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I would have said the same thing. <laughs> All right. Mayor Candil. Uh, time. Nope, that's a player on Maccabi. Oh my god. <laughs> Remember when you were like, why'd you let me go first? Uh, <laughs> and the time that I let you go first, I think you beat me too. <laughs> Gaidal Kane. Time. That is correct, Bailey. Yes. Oh, I agree with everything that Bailey's guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriam Bayanar. <sighs> I have no my confidence is at a rock Go bottom. against what you think, clearly. Okay, so Tel Aviv. That's a character from the Wheel of Time. Agomar <laughs> <laughs> Jagad. Tel Aviv. That's a character from the Wheel of Time. Oh, okay. Sharon Yaney. Time? That's a player on Maccabi <laughs> Tel Aviv. <laughs> At this point, if I was just flipping a coin, it'd be incredible. <laughs> Eyal Golasa. This is Tel Aviv. That's correct. Tel Aviv. Yes. Yeah. I- <laughs> Toby's head's exploding. Leanne Sharif. Tel Aviv. It's a character from the Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> How am I doing this? Rafaela Sindal. Oh, this is Tel Aviv. I've heard that name. Wait. That, nope. Yeah. Nope. That's nope. A character from the Wheel of Time. There was someone with a well, somewhat similar name. Wait, what's the Raphael guy that does soccer? Nadal. Nadal. Raphael Nadal. That's a tennis player. <laughs> um, all right. Sahar Hassan. Tel Aviv. That's correct. Oh. All right, we're at four uh, to one. Four and one. All right, Bailey. Remember, if you get one more, you win the game. Dor Misha. Tel Aviv. That is correct, Bailey. Congratulations ah. on winning 
ball of time. I could have come back. <laughs> you could have done it, Toby. Oh, at least I was on the board, I suppose. That, that was shocking. Wow. 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 Well, good game. That's why you yeah. know it's a good game. Very good. Well, now's the time in the podcast where Dylan chooses books at random from our shelf. It is The Choosening. The Choosening. The Choosening. All right, so Toby, you have number 41. V for Vendetta by Alan Moore. Ooh. Oh, cool. Is this our first graphic novel? Yeah. I think it yeah. is. Excellent. I'm very excited. I've read The Watch. Is it Watchmen or The Watchmen? I think it's just Watchmen. 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 I've read, I've read that one. I read Watchmen. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Watchmen, so I am looking forward to V for Vendetta. All right. Me, me, me. Okay, okay. Calm down. Calm Bailey down. is very excited. Uh, <laughs> Bailey has number 23, Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell. Ooh. I feel like I've been getting a lot of the similar, like, Freedom and Wind Up Bird Chronicle, Cloud Atlas, like... To be clear, you didn't get Wind Up Bird Chronicle. You chose to read it in addition to your other reading task. (laughs) Anyway, so I keep getting these books that are really long and classics of literary fiction. Is it just me, or does this seem like one of the most, like, too-readiest, too-read list Mm. books we've gotten where like everyone has like you know it's like oh like cloud atlas say i'll get around to it eventually wasn't it on some authors yeah it was on amy bender's list of two well i bought this book because i watched the movie and people loved the book like i think you love the book right toby The book is much better than the movie yeah and i specifically got it and this time i think it's the only time where i was specifically like this will be a to read because i don't want to read it right away because Mm. i just have it fresh in my head and it will be spoiled so, and now, however many years have passed, and it is time for David yeah. Mitchell. I'm excited. Awesome. All right. Well, next week on the podcast, we have a mini-sode where I'm going to be covering a book I read for fun, extra credit, <laughs> called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. To be um, clear, uh, extra credit is your term. No one else agrees yeah. with it, Bailey. So, yeah. A plus to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then in two weeks, I will be covering Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell and Andrew has Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. That sounds like a fun episode. Thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the To Read List podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the To Read List podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the To Read List podcast and on Twitter at To Read List pod. And if you enjoyed what you heard here today, go on to your podcast platform of choice and rate us five stars leave a review if you can it really does help spread the word about our podcast and make us more visible on those platforms and as always four through one on the stars are broken don't even bother (laughs) they don't work i i called them about it but they just don't work also if you enjoyed the podcast uh please go ahead and tell a friend tell someone who's into books word of mouth is always the best uh advertisement and we would love to get the podcast out to more people all right well thanks to toby and andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me to dylan for sound recording and to miss jillian beth durkey for composing our intro song see you next week happy reading books 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 books, books. books.